The Muffin Man is seated at the table in the laboratory of the Utility Muffin Research Kitchen. Reaching for an oversized chrome spoon, he gathers an intimate quantity of dried muffin remnants and, brushing his scapular aside, proceeds to dump these inside of his shirt. All right, joining us now on the program, not for the first time, but I think actually perhaps for the first time as as himself, is our good pal Donald Rose. Welcome to Radio Parallax, Don. Hi, Doug. It's great to be here. We should let our listeners in on a little bit of a secret. You have appeared on this program before in different guises. Uh, that of, uh, <laughs> to mention a few, Sylvester Stallone, Colonel Skip Klondike, Mr. David Rosenblum. And yeah. Who I, and who am I forgetting? Uh, Bill Clinton, maybe, George W. Bush, uh, Al Gore, Ted Kennedy, yeah. A lot of those, yeah. That we, we've we've been doing pretty good with those. Well, I think I think that's for the, that's for the listener to judge, Don. <laughs> I, I'm sure a lot of people thought they actually you had all these celebrities on. Actually, some people have asked me how we got Sylvester Stallone on. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, you're you're here today as you, and we should note uh, that I thought it'd be fun for you to talk about some novelty records because I guess you own the website for what novelty records? Yeah, well, novelty.record.com. And uh, it's actually in beta. It's, it's definitely not done yet, but the basic site is up right now, a, a very basic version of it, and we're going to be expanding it in the next few weeks and months. All right. We've sort of secured the website and are, are building on it. And I've always loved novelty records. I know you do, too. It led me to, to think about what exactly is a novelty record, because they all have something in common. What is that element that they have in common? And I've, I've identified a few things that I think they all have. All right. And let me know if you agree. I, well, first of all, they all should be novel. I know that's implied by the word novelty, but they should have something novel, unique, an unusual sound, a strange, a new technique, perhaps, uh, an unusual instrument or arrangement. Also, a lot of times it's someone not known for singing or who doesn't sing well. They usually have a, a strong hook or melody, often a comedic element to it. And then finally, I would say there's often an attempt to cash in or tie in to a hot fad or trend or craze, often a dance craze or a TV show. I think you're being fairly, you're adding so many things that it kind of narrows down the description. I think, it was, to me, it would seem like a lot of things might be a novelty record. Well, yeah, that's part of the fun of it, is that there are things that are, you know, that are on the edge. I mean, like, like they're also related to one-hit wonder records. I would, if you had a Venn diagram, I would say the one-hit wonder circle would be bigger than the novelty record circle, because you could have a song, a band has one song, it's not really that novel. It's sort of in the well, genre of whatever is hot at the time. Yes. So all, all novelty records, but, a lot of them some, are one But, but Don, wait, wait. Some, guy, some guys just churn out novelty records. Weird Al Yankovic churn, churns them out. Uh, a Tom right. Lear See, did a lot of novelty records. I would argue that, that those records. aren't really novelty records. Well, you know, you know, maybe they are. But if you do enough of them, if you, if, you, if you have a whole career of them, then after a while, it's like, when the new one comes out, is it really novel anymore? Oh, well, well I know what Weird Al sounds like. All right, well, let's, let's talk about, let's pick a half dozen of them. You and I kind of prepared uh, okay. for, for some that I think we could agree were novelty records. Uh, yeah. Let's, uh, okay. let's start with uh, a personal favorite of mine. Phil Harris did a song back in 1950 called The Thing. It was one of the earlier ones, of all the ones that I think of and remember, uh, as cool novelty songs. It's one of the earliest. It came out in 1950. It actually went, it peaked at number one. It lasted 14 weeks on the Billboard charts in uh, November 1950, or late 1950. And here's a weird fact. Did you know that there were cover versions of the thing made by Arthur Godfrey, Danny Kaye, and even Ray Charles, which is kind of 
I can't imagine Ray Charles doing it. I did not know that, but if we're going to talk about these, we're going to have to play an excerpt from it from our listeners, I think. So let's let's do that. Okay. While I was walking down the beach one bright and sunny day, I saw a great big wooden box a-floating in the bay. I pulled it in and opened it up, and much to my surprise, ooh, I discovered a... Right before my eyes, ooh, I discovered a... Right before my eyes, I picked it up and ran to town as happy as a king. Yeah, that was great, uh, the thing. You know, you know, for me, what, what makes that song novel is the hook, right? The hook of the rhythmic banging, <laughs> the boom, 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 in place of the name of the thing. And that makes the whole song for me. All right, it works for me, too. Um, how about, <laughs> how, let's, let's talk about a guy that had a slew of novelty songs, uh, Alan Sherman. Uh, the one people I think know, are most familiar with is uh, Hello Mudda, Hello Fada. It's arguably one of the top five of all time, I would say, in novelty songs. It won a Grammy, which is kind of cool. Um, this song was fashioned around letters of complaint that Alan Sherman got from his son while he was attending camp. The song complains about this fictional Camp Granada, and it uses as its music, musical background Pacquiao's Dance of the Hours. Now, what, what makes it novel for me, there's like several things. First of all, using classical music as a background, so there's like serious music juxtaposed with the comic lyrics. Then there's Alan Sherman singing with this unpolished you know, style and accent, so he comes off funny no matter what he says. And then here he is, an adult, singing the words of a child, a letter to, to a child's parent, so that adds to the humor, too. Let's play a bit of that. Hello, mother. Hello, father. Here I am at Camp Granada. Camp is very entertaining. And they say we'll have some fun if it stops raining. I went hiking with Joe Spivey. He developed poison ivy. Yeah, I love that. Uh, you know, uh, and by the way, this song, Doug, it went to number two on the Billboard Hot 100 charts. You know, in August '63, stayed there for three weeks. I mean, it, it was a hit. You know, it, a lot of times novelty songs are big hits, and I think the fact that they're novel—that's what makes them hit. Like people are drawn to them. Like, oh my God, have you heard this? weird thing. Like novelty records back in the day was, was sort of like the equivalent of a viral video or song now. By the way, this was during what I would call the golden era of novelty records, Doug. It, it, late, late 50s to early 64 before the Beatles. That was you know, definitely, I think, the golden period of novelty songs. In fact, Sherman even released a song called I Hate the Beatles after the Fab <laughs> Four arrived. He was so upset, I think, that they were taken over from. There was no way to get a novelty song in the charts after the Beatles. You, were, you wanted to cite a couple of songs you consider to be novelty songs. I just think they're just regular songs. I think they're both pretty good. But let's talk <laughs> about these that both came along pre-Beatles. Okay, Dominique. Dominique and Sukiyaki. Right, Dominique, it was, well, it was a French singing nun. It's hard to be more novel than a French singing nun. <laughs> well, I right? guess I mean, so. And by the way, it's singing nun, not to be confused with the flying nun, just in case any, anyone... <laughs> But Dominique, I still love this song. It reached the top ten in, in about almost a dozen countries, late 63, early 64. Was And I, I was apparently, I didn't know this, top of the charts in the U.S. and Canada and New Zealand. I know Ed Sullivan brought her on to, on his show to, to, to do this great song, and it is a good song. And let's, now, let's... <laughs> a French singing nun, what the heck, you know. All right, let's 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 play that little bit of that. Dominique, Nica, Nica, s'en allait tout simplement au Dieu. Well, 
Well, I guess it's a novelty song, uh, Don, but it, it's, it's a pretty good piece. It is. It's a beautiful tune. It's a great melody. And I think that if it was, let's suppose it was a, an American actress who was singing in English, it probably wouldn't have been considered a, singing, uh, a novelty song. But the fact that it was you know, a foreign language, which is a common theme in a lot of novelty songs, a foreign language song, and then it's a nun, and it's not just a nun. She's, she has a nice voice. I mean, it was it was like a, a surprise. It was it was a real unusual thing. And plus, yeah. I, the, the hook the hook for me is when she goes, "Dominica, Nika, Nika." You know, that's the part that makes it for me. The way she says that, it's beautiful. Uh, <laughs> maybe not maybe not quite as beautiful, but a damn good song in its own right is uh, the, the Japanese one you're referring to. Sukiyaki, yeah, you know, it was it's another foreign language hit in the U.S. You know, something foreign, like I said, is equals novel almost by definition. My understanding is they use the word sukiyaki because it's a word that people could pronounce on radio stations, even though even though sukiyaki <laughs> is, is a Japanese stew. It's got nothing to do with the song. Yeah, that, 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 I, as far as I know, that is true. And, and that, sometimes you have to go through unusual lengths to, to get a song played, and especially in those days, I think people would do almost anything. And they would, you know, so yeah, I, I, I wouldn't surprise me at all if that was the case. Now, this was a Japanese language song. It was performed by uh, someone named uh, Q Sakamoto, and it reached the top of the Billboard Hot 100 in the U.S. in 63. Now, as far, as far as I know, it's still the only Japanese language song to have done that, and it's one of the best-selling singles of all time. Sold over 13 million copies worldwide. All right, let's, let's excerpt that one. Here's a weird fact about Sukiyaki. The, the original Sakamoto recording, it went to number 18 on the R&B chart. I mean, what? <laughs> What? Yeah. Come on, that, that's go, strange. Go figure. I, I do remember that on Saturday Night Live, Bill Murray one night came out and started belting out a version of it that was awfully funny to have the Japanese coming out of his <laughs> mouth. Now, there was an English-language version of it back in the 80s, too, which I, I forget who did it, but it, you know, also they just they translated it, I guess, in English. Yeah, I forgot it, too. I, I really don't know. All right, let's do two more. Uh, let's talk about one that by any, by anybody's standards has to be a novelty record. That would be Jump in the Saddle's the Curly Shuffle. <laughs> yeah, novelty song by Jumping the Saddle Band. I'm laughing because I, I laugh every time I hear this. It was first released late, late 83. It was an homage, of course, to the Three Stooges. It became one of the biggest novelty hits of the early 80s, and it went to number, number 15 on the Billboard Hot 100 in early 1984. And uh, as you know, the song and the song the singer mimics many of Curly's catchphrases, <laughs> which helps add to its novelness. And here's a weird fact. In Canada... The song was simultaneously released by another band, by, by the band called the Knuckleheads on Attic Records. <laughs> All right, well, well, let's let's do a bit of it. Yeah. When me and my friends go out in the town, we can't sit still, we can't sit down. We don't like to fight and we don't like to scuffle, but we dance all night doing the curly shuffle. Hey mo, hey mo, hey mo, hey mo. Well, uh, yuck, 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 yuck. Curly 
Billy's brother Shemp and his fat clone Joe. Don, I know that one's been on YouTube. It's been yanked numerous times, but I guess there's one version of it that's still on there because the guy put some sound effects on it. Uh, I don't know. I, I just I have to admit, I cannot hear that song and not laugh myself. Well, I'm sure they're worried that so many people w would go out and rush out to buy it some other way. That that's why I guess that's why they keep yanking it from YouTube because they're afraid they're losing so much sales. I don't know. Um, I hope that's tongue-in-cheek. <laughs> anyway... Uh, yeah, Curly Shuffle is a classic and has all the classic novelty song things, you know, you know, an, an homage to an, another medium, uh, and then doing doing impressions of someone on a, on a song almost always makes it novelty, and you got <laughs> Curly's catchphrases in there. Yeah, so it has all the classic novelty elements. All right. Well, final item. Uh, again, I'm not sure this really is a novelty song, but I think you do. But uh, I guess some, I guess it was voted like the greatest novelty song ever by somebody. The Macarena. Yeah. Uh, apparently, I didn't know this until I read it on Wikipedia. The 2002 Macarena was ranked number one greatest one-hit wonder of all time. Not not novelty song. So yeah, I guess you could argue that maybe it's a one-hit wonder, not a novelty. I would say novelty because it's sort of it's associated with the dance craze, you know, the Macarena. And Good so Lord. Yeah. to me, that makes it a novelty. But you know, you're right. Perhaps perhaps and ultimately it'll be remembered more as a one-hit wonder. But it was 1994. It was uh, one of the biggest hits of the 90s. In fact, check out these stats. It was, it was ranked number five on Billboard's all-time Top 100, number one on Billboard's all-time Latin songs. It's their number one dance song ever, and one of six foreign-language songs that hit number one since the modern rock era began <laughs> in 55. Well, there so you go. So the moral is, Doug, if you want a big hit, a big novelty hit especially, it helps to record a song in a foreign language. <laughs> I'll keep that in mind. Let's, let's do an excerpt of that. In case you were wondering. All right, well, we could probably do a whole hour, and I think we should someday do a whole hour talking about uh, amusing songs because, you know, it's part of American culture, and I think it's, you know, it's, it's maybe stretching public affairs a bit, but then maybe it isn't. Maybe it isn't. We're all moved by music. But uh, yeah, come back in, in September. We'll, we'll, talk, we'll do some more of this. It's kind, this is kind of fun. That sounds great. And, and if anyone gets a chance, you know, uh, bookmark it now, NoveltyRecord.com. I think you'll enjoy it when it finally gets done. But right now, it's in beta. That was our very own Donald Rose. Also better known to you as Sly Stallone. Hey, that's my name. Don't wear it out, okay? Yo! That about does it for today's program, which was produced by Edward McMillan. I'm Douglas Everett. This has been Radio Parallax. We expect to bring you two San Franciscans on next week's program. Dr. Gary Aguilar will talk about eye anatomy. And doesn't that sound like fun? And... America's foremost political comic, Mr. Will Durst, who's coming to town. We'll see you then. Alegría, Macarena, con tu cuerpo para dar la alegría y cosas buenas.